What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 18 of the Deep Ball Diamond Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Chris Brox. And Brox, it's finally here, October baseball. There's no better time of the year, so let's get right into this. We've had a crazy last week of the regular season. We almost had uh, a tiebreaker game happen today, game 163, but thankfully we didn't. So I'm happy. Let's get right into this. And I guess we'll start with that potential game 163. It didn't happen because both the Yankees and the Red Sox, they won game 162. Uh, I guess we'll start with the Yankees. I guess I'll be a homer a little bit here. One nothing win over the Tampa Bay Rays. Aaron Judge hits a walk-off infield single. Listen, the Yankees went into that series against Tampa Bay. All they had to really do was win a game to make sure that they weren't in a tiebreaker game. And, of course, with everything that stayed true to their whole season, it was it's just never easy with this team. It never really is. Hopefully, they can continue to get hot into October. I know they have a huge game against the Red Sox, obviously, in a do-or-die game. But, yeah, I mean, it would have been, uh, like, especially because the Rays weren't playing for anything, man. You talk about an absolute collapse to get swept and have to force to pitch Cole in like a tiebreaker game just to get into the wildcard game. I mean, that would have been an absolute nightmare scenario. Thankfully, though, it was avoided for my case, at least. Yeah, bro. I would have prayed for you if the Yankees played 163. Um, I didn't even know who would have started that game. Um, they, you know, they tried their hardest to not to, to get there. I mean, they tried their hardest. They did not play well the last the last few games, I mean, the Rays, you know, they're a good team, but they had nothing to play for. Um, but yeah, they got lucky. Not lucky. I mean, you know, they clutched up on. They won on. They won game one sixty two. You know, they you know they they knew they dug down. Like Urshela made a crazy play. He got hurt, flew into the dugout, but he stayed out there because he knew how much it meant to the team. Tyone, I think, had like a bum ankle. We still threw like what six scoreless. Um, you know, the Yankees had to get it done. They did. But it came at a cost. I mean, you know, they, I thought they were going to get the home field advantage for the wild card. But now it's in it's in Fenway. I mean, recently Yankees have played you know, well in Fenway. But, um, I don't know, it's still a home game for Boston. It's going to be a really crazy game. I mean, and, you know, any series Yankees-Red Sox is crazy. But one game to decide who moves on is going to be insane. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just kind of like you mentioned the Gio Rochelle catch. That was unbelievable. One of the best catches I've seen. Uh, in a baseball game. But yeah, Tyone started. He got them good outs and then they handed over to that bullpen and really everybody was able to get it going in the bullpen. I know they went to a bunch of different guys, Peralta, Holmes, Green, Luizaga, and then Chapman. It was unbelievable performance by them. But like you said, the game is in Boston because ultimately the Red Sox, who going into Sunday also just needed to win and they would be in. They did win after honestly going down early. They were down 5-1. They come back against the Nationals. If the Nationals would have lost that game, of course, would have been in New York. I would have loved for the game to be there. And the Red Sox, listen, in a sense, you could say that they deserve it because they did control their own destiny. They won two out of three against the Nationals. But I mean, again, they also didn't make it easy on themselves. Kind of a team that fell off a little bit in the second half, really. I know they did have a COVID spike in about late August, early September. But at the end of the day, I mean, in the beginning of the year, we probably didn't see the Red Sox in this position. So, yes, they're not, like, satisfied with the fact that they blew, like, the division really and ultimately barely squeezed into the playoffs. But at the end of the day, they're in the playoffs, which is probably more that they could ask for in the beginning of the year. I mean, dude, can you tell me before the year? I I even said, like, oh, they'll be a sneaky team. You know, they have good hitting but crappy pitching. Um, I mean, they have to be ecstatic about it. Even though they they kind of blew their – their lead, like in first place, and almost fell out of it um, in all. But you know, they clutched up. Finally, they clutched up. Um, they crawled to the finish line too. But I think the fact that they're there, they're they're probably pretty happy about that, considering what's happened the past few years. You know, trading with bats, having a pretty subpar team. Um, they didn't have Sale for a while. Who came back? Sale looks pretty good now too. So um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game. I think both teams 
weren't expecting to be here. I think you figured the Yankees win the division. Red Sox probably go in like fourth place, but um, it's an unexpected wild card game that should be should be pretty sick. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely get into previewing that game along with all this uh, other wildcard games and the MLDS, ALDS as well in a little bit. But I kind of want to just recap more of a little bit the last um, week of the season. I mentioned the Red Sox ended up winning, which ultimately led to two teams missing the playoffs more. So the Toronto Blue Jays who were able to sweep the Baltimore Orioles this week and they were able to do everything in their power. But unfortunately, the Toronto Blue Jays, they lost two out of three to the Yankees early on in the week, and that kind of sealed their fate. They needed other people to help them out this weekend. They didn't get that. Kind of a shame. I mean, their offense was so good all year, like I said, but early on in the year, they had uh, they blew so many games because of how horrendous their bullpen was. Um, I, like I said, sour note for uh, Toronto. They'll obviously be back, but um, Marcus Simeon and Robbie Ray, free agents there, so I guess you're going to have to see who you're going to bring back. Hopefully they can keep their core intact for that sense because obviously you have Bichette there, Teoscar Hernandez, George Springer, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. Manoa looks like he's a piece, Barrios for another year. So the pieces are there. I think maybe it's just like a year too early in a sense for Toronto. I think next year, 2022, you could say maybe they could fully come into their own, at least, like I said, for their sake. But uh, I think the future is bright there for sure. No, yeah, I mean, you know, I expected Toronto to really um, to really have a, a decent year, which they did. Um, it sucks they missed by a game. Um, I mean, they have the pieces there. You know, they're losing Simeon and Ray. You're probably going to get big contracts elsewhere. I mean, they can definitely fill those voids with um, these free agents this year and also in their farm system too. But I saw a stat that really kind of – it's like eye-opening kind of. Is that how they, they traded for Brad Hand mid-year? It wasn't having a great year at the Nationals, but it has a good track record. And he had a negative 0.5 war, which basically means Brad Hand almost single-handedly took the Blue Jays out of the playoffs. You think about it. They missed it by what, a game? Mm-hmm. That Brad Hand basically getting Brad Hand kind of got them to miss the playoffs. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, a little odd stat. Probably doesn't mean that much. Others, other players probably didn't perform as well, too. But And it's their bullpen. Obviously, that's it. Their bullpen um, just not have a great year and they didn't have a great bullpen. So they have to build on their bullpen. I mean, the rotation will be solid still with Ryu and Barrios. Obviously, the hitting, that'll be fine. Um, decent, like good outfield, too. But I just think the bullpen has to be built up. That's what I'm going with the Brad Hand thing, but I thought that was a pretty neat stat. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have it right in front of me kind of right now. Brad Hand blew a game um, against the Indians. He blew the game against Washington and uh, Chicago, too. So, I mean, right there, he had like a 7.2 pitch to a 7.27 ERA in his one month in Toronto. So, yeah, you make an acquisition to go get a bullpen arm, and that's what he turns out to be. Uh, doesn't help there. Obviously, even earlier in the year, they ran into health issues. Julian Merriweather wasn't um, went out early and then finally came back down the stretch. Nate Pearson, one of their young arms, they put in the pen at the end of the year. He was also banged up a lot this year. So, yeah, injuries didn't really help. They had to piece together like Trevor Richards, uh, Adam Simber, too. They traded for both of those guys. They gave them like okay innings, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, I think Toronto like ultimately could point to that and Realized that was like their shortcomings in a sense. Another team, the Seattle Mariners, they went on a late run, uh, won 10 of their last 11 going into a series against the Angels and the Angels with nothing to play for. Play spoiler, they went two out of three against them. Uh, but yeah, again, the Mariners, nobody expected them to be anywhere close to the here. I think a lot of people would have honestly put them in the bottom of the AOS. But yeah, Jared Kelnick finally got going towards the end of the year. And Mitch Hanniger, it seemed like 
the past two weeks have got have just gotten clutch hit after clutch hit. The Mariners are a team on the rise. Uh, they have a great farm system. I mentioned Kelnick. Julio Rodriguez is one of the best prospects in baseball as well. Uh, interesting to see if Kyle Seager comes back. I believe he has an option that it's like for 20-something million, so it's probably going to get declined there. But, yeah, the Mariners definitely made some noise in the baseball world this year. They were unbelievable in one-run games this year. They had, like, a crazy negative run differential, but somehow we're still playing for something on the last day of the season. So I guess you tip your cap to them for not quitting and uh, continuing to compete, really. I mean, you know, they're like a a good feel-good story, the Mariners. You didn't expect them to be here. But the only issue I have is that they have a lot of guys who just – like overperformed, like J.P. Crawford in a good year, the guy who's not a great hitter in a good year. Guys like, I mean, former Mets, um, Paul Sewell had a great year in the bullpen. Chris Flexen on, on the hill like, as a starter had great years. Like, that's something you can't expect to happen again next year. Um, also, side note, uh, Jared Kelnick tweeted after one of the games, like last week, they won against the A's. He now tweeted LFGM. Which is more known as "Let's effing go Mets," but it did, I guess, for the Mariners, which is cool. But that's just rubbing the wrong way because you know Kalnick should be a Met right now, but he's not. And then on the last day of the year when they lost, they had a picture of Kalnick crying in the dugout. So I was like, you know what? Good riddance with that. But <laughs> I mean, they have a bright future. It'll be cool to see what happens to the Mariners, but it, it sucks that 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 Cinderella story ended uh, too soon. Yeah, listen, Ty France, another guy who also had a great year for them. Uh, somebody who they hopefully should get back in 2022, Kyle Lewis. I mean, um, yeah, he did end up winning Rookie of the Year in 2020. Uh, I forgot about him. He, he, got, he got hurt early on in the year. He really didn't play after, like, uh, May. So getting him back should for sure help their offense, in a sense, give Mitch Hanniger another piece there. Look, this team could have quit when they traded Kendall Graveman to the Houston Astros, but Abraham Toro comes in and uh, honestly started hitting great, too. Uh, a guy who couldn't really get it going in Houston, but kind of provided a spark there. I remember he had like a home run on his first day that he got traded there. So yeah, the Mariners a little bit ahead of schedule, but I'm sure that their future is bright in a sense. Moving on to the NL, some of the last teams this past week that clinched their ticket, the Atlanta Braves, who I expected to end up winning the NL East. They did. They beat the Phillies early on in the week to solidify that. Listen, the Braves, even losing Ronald Acuna, even having a rough, a rough first half, they're just a team that's been there before. They know how to win. And I believe this is what now? How many, how many straight years is winning the NL East, Brax? Four? Four. Yeah, four straight years. I know. I can hear the sadness in that voice, the pain in that voice right there. But at the end of the day, I guess talent wins out. Freeman was able to get going in the second half. Like we mentioned last episode, Austin Riley, too, having a great year. And the Braves punched their ticket to the playoffs. They got an interesting series uh, ahead of them, too, with the Milwaukee Brewers. No, I mean, you, you know, once, like, the Mets started falling in August and the Phillies, too, you just had a feeling that uh, the Braves were going to capitalize on it. You know, they didn't make crazy moves. Like, they didn't acquire hobby buyers like the Mets did. But they went and got a guy like Jorge Soler, the big home run guy, having a crappy year. They gave up nothing for him. Um, they went to get Adam Duvall, give up Alex Jackson, who's a terrible hitter, a serviceable catcher at, at best. Um, and Duvall leads them up the National League in RBIs. Like, they made some under-the-radar moves, and they just – Use their experience, man. I mean, also, it, it helps when you have one of the best or probably the best infield in the league with Freeman, Albies, Swanson, and Riley. So, I mean, you know, you had to expect it, you know, mid-August that this was going to happen. And I, I don't think I changed my pick with the Mets winning the division um, early in September, late August. I think I figured the Braves are going to take it. But another another year, and at least disappoints. I mean, it's crazy that they lost Acuna and they just took off after that. but. 
you know, that's what that's what experience gets you. Yeah, listen, after the Marlins made the playoffs in 2020 and how crazy it was, we were saying in our preview episode for the 2021 season that the NL East might be the best division in baseball because there, like, there wasn't really a clear, like, worst team, I guess you could say. And, like, honestly, from one through five, it looked like there was a lot of depth there. I think we were completely wrong. One of the worst divisions in baseball. I'll probably still put the AL Central below that. But, yeah, ultimately, I guess, like I said, the Braves and the talent wins out there. You mentioned Adam Duvall, too. He's been a great pickup for them. Hopefully he can help them in October. And we'll bring it out to the West Coast, Brocks, the NL West, because somehow the 107-win San Francisco Giants barely squeezed by in that division. The Dodgers win 106 games, went down to the wire, but they're ultimately still will be the wild card team. Again, it just goes to show you how awesome of a year it's been for the Giants and at least it's solidified that they can't end on one game because as much as a good of it's the best feel good story if you ask me in baseball even more than the Mariners obviously were falling short the Giants having the best record in baseball beating the Dodgers out a team that we thought could potentially run the table with the most wins ever in an MLB season I mean has to be unbelievable feeling for Gabe Kapler and company there yeah I think we we've touched on the Giants a lot um with this podcast um I just I think one thing one of bring up is that we just want to see a Giants Dodgers series. I think that'll just be a crazy series for baseball. I mean they've had great series in the regular season. I can imagine the postseason. So I just I mean who knows what the Cardinals are gonna do against the Dodgers, but I think I think we all want to see um if the Giants can, you know, keep their magic going or if the Dodgers can keep dominating if they have I mean the Dodgers were the second best team in baseball. I mean they really should have been the best but the Giants just, they did something. They were doing some voodoo magic. I don't know what they were doing this year, but I think we just want to see an LDS of all Cali- well, two California teams. Yeah, Brax, I mean, you definitely speak for me as well. I would These these two teams have to play. It almost would feel like we would be robbed to not see these two teams play. Kind of almost in the sense that, like, we're robbed of a Dodgers-Padres, like, one-game wildcard game, but that's besides the point. But I kind of touched on the Padres here. We said last episode that they're probably the biggest disappointment of the MLB season. They just fired Jace Tingler. They're going to go separate ways. I think after you finish 79 and 83 with all the offseason moves that you made, had to be done, even if you necessarily can't point the figures. And listen, I don't follow the Padres from a game-to-game basis, so I don't know if his bullpen management was great. What I do know is that their starting pitching underperformed. They had a couple injuries here and there. And again, when you severely underachieve like this, I think the Padres are definitely expecting to win 92 plus games. You only hit 79. You falter down the stretch. Uh, you're just inconsistent like all year. I think it's a recipe for your manager to get fired. And ultimately, that's what led to his demise. So I'm not, I'm not surprised here at all that AJ Preller went uh, this direction. Dude, I mean, we say it every, I mean, since what? Since August, we're just saying how like, it's just the craziest thing that, you know, the, the talk of the offseason, you know, was basically the Padres, man. I mean, like they're big, like the Mets, you know, the Mets sold their team. They got Lindor, but there's still the talk of the Padres, man. Just making so many crazy moves, like going all in. Like, did not make the playoffs. They did not have a winning record, if I'm incorrect, right? Nope. Like, that's just insane, man. I mean, at some point it does fall on the manager, but you know what? Like, you know, obviously Tatis had a crazy year, but I, I, I don't even know. I don't watch, we don't watch the Padres enough to like point out what went wrong, really, but like, some guys didn't step up, you know, the rotation didn't step up that well. Like Blake's now not a great year, Darvish not a great year. Um, and those are guys that, you know, they got in the offseason and we thought, like, you know what, like, you know, this is going to be like a crazy year for uh, San Diego. But it's, and I wouldn't say unfortunately, because I just, I didn't buy the hype that much, but I did not expect them to be this bad. Like, I, 
uh, just, you know, just shows that, you know, baseball is kind of unpredictable at this point. Like, you know, there's some teams like, you know, like the, the Pirates and the Rockies are going to have a great year, but like some teams like, you know, just we talk, like Giants just came out of nowhere. So that's why we love about baseball, you know, like random stuff like this happens, but for Padres fans, not the, not the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, like I said, that's the beauty of the sport. You just go out. The games aren't one on paper. They're one on the field and stuff like that. If you would have told me that the San Diego Padres would finish 28 games behind the San Francisco Giants, I would have said you are absolutely crazy, especially because the Padres, too. It kind of seemed like they got robbed a little bit in a sense where they got hot. Like, obviously, they were so exciting last year. And then um, Mike Clevenger and Danielson Lamette go down right before the playoffs. So they have, like, no starting pitching in that series against even the Cardinals, which they absolutely squeezed by, and then against the Dodgers, ultimately, in the NLDS and stuff like that. So another team, though, Brox, close to your heart, that did fire their manager was Luis Rojas. I texted you right away that Rojas was the scapegoat in this thing. But look, we you do follow this team extremely closely, so I'm curious with you. We kind of you kind of mentioned that you thought Rojas would ultimately get fired. I want to know, like, did you agree with this move? And like, ultimately, like, if you didn't, like, was it really his fault? I think I mentioned it on episode um, early September how the Mets, if they don't like the playoffs, which obviously they did not, um, they were ultimately going to fire. You said like should they fire Rojas, and I said I don't think they should, but they're gonna, as you know, just like blame it on someone else, and that's exactly what happened. You know, I've I've seen this happen so many times in the Mets. I think it's a little different now because Rojas was not um, a hiring under the Cohen Alderson era, but didn't love it because the players liked Rojas. He, you know, he managed a pretty weak team early in the year that was was decimated with injuries and still kept him in first place. So I commend him for that. I mean, up until like August, he was, you know, if it wasn't for Gabe Kapler, he would have won manager of the year. But then obviously they fell apart um, these last two months. But I think, you know, if, if they're going to do that, clear house. Every coach they got, get them out of here. Front office too. Just clear the house. Start over new with the Cohen. And just have a new era start now. Don't give me like, oh, we got some guys we're going to keep now. Just, they got to start off new. Like, this whole thing about the Mets, you know, like being perennial losers, man. Like, you got has to stop now. Like, bring in new guys to stop the bleeding. Bring guys like Theo Epstein or Billy Bean. Like, people that can stop the bleeding and can change the narrative. Because they have they have some generational talents on their team right now, man. They can't, they can't be wasting it. It's getting sickening as a fan. And I think I just... Be on the team, like, yeah, like Pete Alonso puts his heart and soul to the team every day, and he's there, like, you know, I want to make the playoffs, man. But it just it sucks. But I think I got like DeGrom has one of the best um halves of in baseball history, and uh, I mean, he was hurt the rest of the year, but like, you know, he wasn't going to go to the playoffs most likely. Like, it's just you know, it has something has to change here, and it starts at the front office and the coaching staff going and starting fresh. Yeah, listen, it's frustrating when you can see the players on the field obviously giving it them all, their all, and it seems like that the problem is these outside factors uh, like that. And I agree with you. I think that if you're going to fire Rojas, you should fire uh, Alderson too. I think you should go and just completely clean house and just kind of like almost like reinvent yourself as an organization on your philosophies and your thinking and stuff like that and go from there. You know what I mean? I'm interested who they'll end up hiring. I think it's obviously a huge position in a sense in the baseball world. I think maybe the Padres is more of an attractive job, but you could argue that there's more pressure on you going into the Big Apple, especially under Steve Cohen. It'd be the first manager he hires. One thing I'll say about Rojas too, I think Rojas always got like, never really got a true fair shot because it was supposed to be Beltran and it always seemed like Rojas was just like, the number two guy, you know what I mean? That was hired just because like he had to be. So I will give Rojas a little bit of slack there. I thought it was interesting that they said that they might re like 
like put him back into like a different role in the organization, which again, I don't completely love. Like if you're just moving on from him, move on from him. But I don't know. I guess that's how I feel about that. But yeah, I guess a huge offseason for your Mets. You got Stroman, Syndergaard as free agents along with Michael Conforto. And now potentially a manager spot for sure and potentially um, upper uh, jobs available in your front office. So you're definitely a little nervous here, right? Oh, I'm nervous. I mean, I'm not nervous the fact they won't spend money. I think they'll spend a lot of money, obviously, as Cohen said he wants to. Um, I hope they get the right guy in the front office. That's where it really starts. But, yeah, I mean, the problem with Rojas, he was not the number one guy. He was number two by Beltran. So when he came in, they're like, oh, we still have Rojas. Great. And then now it's like, well, he wasn't our number one guy, whatever. They never treat him, like, well enough. We're guys with the Mets for a while. I didn't like that. If you bring him back, it's like a slap to the face. Like, you know what? You're not ready for that. Like, I don't like that. So if you let him go, man, let him go. And you know what? He'll probably thrive somewhere else. See that he's a decent manager. Um, so we'll see what happens with this offseason. It's going to be a lot of changes with a lot of guys. Like, there'll be a brand new team there. It's not brand new, but there'll be a lot of new faces next year on and off the field. Yeah, and listen, sometimes for you, Brock, after like a poor finish to the year, that's all you can ask for sometimes. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So you need some change, and hopefully the Mets get that. But enough of this offseason talk, Brock. We still got postseason baseball. Let's get into some of our previews. And, of course, we're going to start with the first game that's going to happen tonight, Tuesday, October 5th. The Yankees travel to Boston to play Fenway. The $324 million man will be on the mound. Garrett Cole faces off against former Yankee Nate Eovaldi. Nathan Eovaldi. He was an all-star this year. He also has pitched very well against the Yankees up until his last start on oh, it was September 24th. It was a Friday. Um, the first of three games that the Yankees swept Boston. That's the last time they played. They swept Boston. Two crazy games in that series. But they racked the Evaldi on that Friday night. He didn't even get through the third inning. Stanton hit a home run off him. Judge who went off the monster. Uh, as you can tell, I'm pumped for this game. I mean, like I said, it's a do-or-die game. There's nothing better in sports for that. I feel like the Yankees for sure have the best player Bet uh, the best pitcher on the mound in this game, and Garrett Cole. They have the better bullpen, and you could argue that as good as the Boston the Boston's lineup is, the Yankees lineup obviously goes toe to toe with them, and they have two guys in that lineup in Stanton and Judge. That if you ask me, Boston cannot match. So I'm pumped. Obviously, you know what side I'm leaning towards in this game, but yeah, I think if Garrett Cole can give the Yankees six good innings, that's all he needs. You hand the ball off to Johnny Lasagna in the bullpen. I mean, I'm I'm loving the the fact that Lawizaga is back for this team is completely huge. Severino even in the pen, Chad Green, and then give it to Chapman in the end. I think it's a formula for a huge Yankees game, and I ultimately, like I said, think they will take this one. But I mean, how could I ever go against them? Oh, I don't I don't blame you at all. I just think there's two things to be said here. Number one, this is Cole's signature star as a Yankee. I mean, he pitched Game Five last year, had pitched pretty well on short rest against the Rays that they end up losing. So I feel like. If he wants to really like put himself as a Yankee man, because I know he's had some tough starts here, man, where he got booed off the field in Yankee Stadium. There was once against the Mets, once maybe against the Red Sox. I don't know what team, like twice Indians. got booed off the field. Indians, and like you know, like I mean, you know, we've seen New York. You're making three hundred million dollars. You're gonna get booed still. So he needs to start, like you know, throw like six, seven strong, um, beat like your rival, man. Like that'd be that's what that's what Cole needs right now, um, and also. It's one game. I know, like, the Yankees match up very favorably against the Red Sox. You know, they're obviously a much better team on paper, but it's one game. Just like the other wild card game, man, anything can go. It could end up being a, a one nothing Red Sox win, which is something that no one would guess. But you know what? It's one game I'm excited to watch. 
I don't, I'm not going to pick sides. You know, I don't love the Yankees, but I don't really care for the Red Sox. So I just hope it's a good game. Um, I hope, uh, hope we see some late inning magic because I feel like that always happens from these teams. Yeah, well, I hope it's going in the right way, man. Don't wish that leaning magic on me. Don't you can't do that to me, especially if we're up. If we're, listen, if we're down, I'm loving leaning magic. That's all I will say. But you're right, Garrett Cole can earn his pinstripes with this start for sure. The pressure's always on in New York, and I, there's nobody else in really the league. I think I would rather have on the mound than Cole. Like you said, he struggled a little bit down the stretch ever since he got COVID, and he's a little banged up with his hamstring. Not even sure if he's 100%, but he's going to go out and he's going to go grind out a start, and hopefully the Yankees move on to go play Tampa in the ALDS because that's all you can ask for at that point. Moving on to the next wild card game, Brocks, we got the Cardinals and the Dodgers. This will be Wednesday night, October 6th. I mean, you got two guys with the combined age over 70, Max Scherzer versus Adam Wainwright, who announced he's coming back for year 2022, in the year 2022. I mean, this is just unbelievable, man, that these two teams are in this game. As good as the Cardinals' run has been in September, as exciting as it's been, as good as Paul Goldschmidt has been in the second half this year, there's just no way I'm taking, I'm going against the Dodgers in this game. But I don't think it's as, it would be that, like, it's a one, what people don't understand is this is a one-game thing, man. There's just so much pressure. Anything can happen. It can get so crazy. So, like, don't just go completely writing the Cardinals off in this game. This is a veteran team. Like I said, Wainwright has pitched in huge games before. Obviously, Scherzer has too. But don't completely go write the Cardinals off being like, oh, it's because it's, they're going against the Dodgers. This is going to be a really good close game that ultimately, even though the Dodgers will not have Max Muncy in this game, it doesn't look like, I ultimately think the Dodgers will come out with because they are just too talented. I mean, dude, I think the the Dodgers should win. Like, but we have this feeling, man, of just the Cardinals going to have some odd, this odd game. And like, Wainwright's going to throw a really good game, and they're going to have some weird comeback in the ninth inning. Where like Tommy Hedman hits a walk, not walk off, but a go ahead signal single um, with two outs in the ninth inning off Jansen. So I would not run up the Cardinals, but I do think the Dodgers should and will take this one. But I mean, Scherzer hasn't been pitching well recently, um, so I don't know. It's it's gonna be a really good game, but I I'm just I have a weird feeling about the Cardinals, man. Those takes the their magic, man. Their crazy magic they got. I don't know. I I got an odd feeling about this. But I want to see the Dodgers win. I want to see them play the Giants. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. I think that's also some of my pick, some of my reasoning behind that pick is because that I really do want to see the Dodgers and the Giants. One thing I will say is that the Dodgers bullpen is always a little shaky. I know Kenley Jans has had a little bit of ups and downs this year and stuff like that. I wouldn't put it out of the question. Uh, Urias, who won 20 games this year, the first NL pitcher in five less five years to win 20 games, which is a great mark. Congrats to him. And he should definitely be in the bullpen for this game. Even Walker Buehler, if things go really crazy, if you ask me, he's your second best pitcher behind Scherzer. He should be in the bullpen. You know what I mean? You have to empty the tank in a sense. One guy who won't be in the bullpen, Clayton Kershaw, who could potentially – it was his last time in Dodgers in a Dodgers uniform. Uh, he's now hurt. His future's unsure after this season, as well as for the remainder of the playoffs. So hopefully the Dodgers can win and Kershaw can come back and get another a proper send off this year with the Dodgers. If you ask me, that'd be great for him. But uh, yeah, I think it's gonna like I said, it's gonna come down to can the Dodgers bullpen hold the lead and uh, can like Tyler O'Neill have some magic in him for the Cardinals? Because you go Tommy Edmond if he's if the Cardinals are gonna win, you're going Tommy Edmond. I'll go Tyler O'Neill there, but. Brock, we'll move it on to our division series previews. I guess we'll start with the division series. I know that's set in stone. We'll go with the Astros and the White Sox. Two teams I think we both expected to be in the playoffs. Um, both are kind of on opposite ends where it looks like the White Sox are finally, this is their first, or, well, this is the second time technically in the playoffs because they made the expanded one last year, but they did lose in the first round last year, which was ugh, very ugly. 
and the the um Astros obviously won the World Series in 2017. I've kind of been falling down a little bit. Obviously, they lost that one in 2019, stuff like that. They lost in the ALCS last year. Listen, as good as the Chicago White Sox have been this year, they're finally completely healthy with Luis Roberts. Had a great year since he's came back from injury. Eloy Jimenez has had sparked the offense in the second half. And we've mentioned so many times that that bullpen can be so dangerous in October with Liam Hendricks, Craig Kimbrell, Garrett Crochet, Michael Kopech. I just think the experience will like win out for Houston. And like, I, I, it, I hate to say that, man, because I absolutely despise Houston with everything. But in the playoffs, man, some of the biggest things are just timely hits and stuff like that. Just not being overwhelmed with the moment. And, and like, I just think that rides into Houston's favor. Ultimately, like I said, it pains me so much, even with the whites, like everything is telling me that the white Sox just have so much more talent here with Rodon, Lynn and Giolito. They have a better three starting pitchers where like Houston has to Lance McCullough, who's a good pitcher, but he's like good year. But again, I just think like, on paper, the White Sox match up better. But ultimately, I'm going to go with experience here, man. I'm going to go with the guys who have gotten it done before. I'm going to ride with the Houston Astros to win this series. And I think the veterans and Carlos Correa, who might be his last year in Houston, and Jose Altuve are ultimately like X-factors in this series. That just They just get one too many clutch hits where guys maybe like Jose Abreu struggle. Yeah, no, I think the White Sox, as good a year they had, like there's a team they had, probably a better team. Than the Astros, I think just the experience um, is the reason that I'll go Astros too. Um, Altuve, Correa, Bregman, um, not not the best years. We know it was a quiet, it was a quiet division um, winning season for the Astros. We say the name, and they just they're still a good baseball team. Dusty Baker's done a really good job with them. So um, I'm gonna go Astros here, but I would like to see the. I mean, we both probably want to see the White Sox win, but I just don't think it'll happen. Um, but I'm definitely rooting for Chicago, though. They're a fun team to watch. Um, they have so much talent. I just, you know, if Lance, like, you know, a game like, you know, Lance Lynn right to Kimbrell and right to Hendricks, man, like, that's that's a crazy one, two, three punch right there. Um, so I hope I hope to see the White Sox win, but I just think the Astros, their experience, man, their leadership, um, as much as we hate them, they're a good baseball team. I think they'll come out with this one. Yeah, listen, like I said, I, I, like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm probably pulling for the White Sox here. I think the biggest thing is, like, who wins the starting pitching matchup because both these teams have very good lineups and stuff like that. Like, who's able to get to their bullpen first? While the Astros might not have as good of a bullpen, Ryan Presley has been a great closer this year, and Kendall Graveman as well can eat up innings for them in their pen. McCullers is going game one. I'm not sure who's going to go behind him. Probably Zach Greinke, one of the games. Luis Garcia, their young rookie right-hander, has been real good this year. And then they got a couple other, like, swing guys, like Framber Valdez, uh, your Keedy was good in the playoffs in 2019. So you know what I mean? Some of these guys, again, have just pitched in that stage before. I think they're going to be more ready for it, whereas guys in the White Sox, got a lot less experience there. But I think it, it lies with the pitching. I'm going to go with the Astros and the experience. Uh, moving on to our other ALDS, we mentioned the wild card game earlier. The winner of the AL wild card game between the Yankees and the Red Sox will move on to play the Rays. I'm going to keep it short and sweet for this one. Obviously, if my Yankees get there, I don't care. I'm not picking against them. They're my World Series pick. I'm going to stand by that now. I think, again, they have more talent than the Tampa Bay Rays. While the Tampa Bay Rays might have every single reliever that you can imagine that throws 99 miles an hour with a wipeout slider, it's not going to matter. The Yankees are just have too much to play for after avenging that 2020 ALDS loss. And I just don't think the Rays have the top-end pitching uh, in a sense from their rotation like yes that's gonna it's gonna work for a couple games but over a five game series i think ultimately you're gonna start seeing those relievers so many times like judge is gonna go against a reliever once a game so by that fourth fifth game you know what i mean especially because they've also played so many times in the season like you're gonna start like getting a groove on these guys in the sense like that 
Uh, whereas if the Rays play the Red Sox, I hope the Rays absolutely uh, wash them in three games like that. As much as I can just talk down on them. So, yeah, I'm kind of split, like I said, on whoever wins. Like, if the, obviously, if the Yankees play the Rays here, I'm taking the Yankees. But if the Rays take the what you want, the Rays play the Red Sox, I'll ultimately go with the Rays. Wow, that was a shocker. No. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not going to pick a wild card winner because I don't, I think it's actually going to be too close considering that the Red Sox are home. But I'll give like this I think either the whole thing is the Rays, man. We doubt them too much. Either team that plays them, I think the Rays end up winning just because, man, they got versatility everywhere. Um, but I'll go like, like key guys, like say the Red Sox win. A big guy that they'll need against the Rays will be Adam Adovino. Sounds a little weird, mm-hmm. but they'll need a guy in the bullpen that they can bring in to shut down anyone, man, because Adovino's good against both sides of the plate. So I think they'll need Adovino. And then the Yankees, I'm going to go the same thing. I'll go reliever, but I'm going to go Chapman. They're gonna, like, they'll have, probably have a game where they'll be up a run the ninth inning. They're going to come in and be that shutdown guy, not the guy who blew too many saves this year, who had some playoff issues the past few years. They're going to need him. If they want to win, they're going to need him to come back to his old form. So I'll pick yeah, those I'm two gonna, guys for the – yeah. Like, come I'm on. I'm in agreement there because I think that the Rays bullpen is going to do a great job of limiting bats, obviously, because of all the different arms that they have there. Kittridge, Fairbanks, Nick Anderson's back, Fire Ryzen. You know what I mean? They're going to they're gonna hold you in the middle innings and stuff like that. So your bullpen's going to have to go toe-to-toe with them in that sense. So, yeah, I think the Yankees obviously have the advantage over the Red Sox there. But you're right. Out of, you know, a guy who struggled in the playoffs – for the past two years with the Yankees really was unpitchable last year in the playoffs. Um, they're going to have to, they're going to have to figure it out. I think that's why if you ask me, the Yankees match up a little better here than the Rays. I obviously think from their lineup standpoint, obviously we saw how great Randy Rosarena was in the playoffs last year. He's a huge X factor. He's had a good year, but uh, I mean, again, that, that guy is just a hitter, man. He will get into the postseason. He's going to absolutely rake. And unfortunately the guy who's also going to do it. He's only 20 years old. Wander Franco's already becoming an unbelievable ball player. And again, from both sides of the plate, it's going to almost be like a coming out party on a national stage for Wander Franco that people are going to look at this kid and they're going to be like, oh my goodness, he's only 20 years old and he's doing this already. He's going to run the league. He will emerge as a potential face of baseball if the Rays make a deep run in this postseason because it will be because of him. From the Yankee side, I'll say another big X factor in this series will be Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres, I think I I personally believe Glaber Torres is the clutchest hitter on the Yankees in 2019 in their run. He had so many clutch hits for them. He was one of the guys that they could rely on. With no DJ LeMahieu for the foreseeable future, Torres probably in that leadoff spot, going to get a ton of at-bats. So yeah, a guy who had a disappointing year, I think has a lot of uh, like a lot of motivation to kind of have a big October and kind of put fans at ease and, st- and remind them that this guy a couple years ago was really seen as a perennial superstar in the league. So that's where I'll go with there. But Brox, we'll send it off into the NL. And I guess we'll talk first about the one that is set in stone again, the Brewers and the Braves. I guess I'll start with you here. Who do you like in this series? And uh, who's some guys on each team that kind of like the series almost quote unquote relies on them? I don't want to, you know, be biased. Like, you know, I don't like the Braves. I just think the Brewers – um, their pitching is, is going to win them. Oh, I think that's their X factor, really. I think I'm going to pick the Brewers because they're pitching, but I'm going to go their rotations and be their X factor because you're facing a damn good lineup in the Braves, man. So if you can have guys like Peralta, Woodruff, and Burns shut them down those first three games, I think you'll see a, a Brewers uh, Brewers win this series. Um, and the Braves, my X factor is gonna, probably going to be Austin Riley. Guy had a crazy year, you know, Right in the running for MVP, like not maybe like top five in the NL. Um, if you can continue that in the playoffs behind guys like um, 
Albies and uh, and Freeman and Darno and uh, Duval, like all those guys, then they can be very dangerous. But I'm gonna have to go Brewers here. Um, before you know, they have the three uh the three headed monster in the rotation. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to side with you here. I'm going to go the Brewers. And ultimately, like I've said so many times, that in the postseason, man, the bats just tend to go silent and pitchers rise to the occasion. And when you have three All-Stars on your staff, I mean, I just think that they're going to cause the Braves some fits in a sense. And again, the Braves have such a great offense. I think the Braves pitching is a very underrated. I think a Morton, uh, Max Fried, and Ian Anderson is a formidable trio to match up with the Brewers. But I think the Brewers have that advantage. The Brewers will be without Devin Williams because he celebrated uh, – too hard. I think that is a, like that's first of all, never ever disclose that you got injured because you were celebrating. Like that is awful and stuff like that. But Josh Hader's still in the back end of that bullpen. Uh, he's going to be able to close the door. He can get you a couple innings if you need be. I think the biggest, like you said, yeah, it's those middle of the order bats for Atlanta. Can they do enough? Freeman, Austin Riley for sure. Because Freeman, obviously, a known commodity. You know what I mean? But Austin Riley is a big stage for him. Adam Duvall, another one like that. Dansby Swanson, even too. Can some of these other guys help produce and really help get to these starting? pitchers on Milwaukee but yeah I'm gonna go with you we've jacked these the big three in that rotation all year for us to finally get off that train you know what I mean but uh one one last guy I'll go with too the Brewers offense we've mentioned has definitely been lacking their pitchings carried them all year if Christian Yelich can give you a couple good series I think the Brewers can make a real run in October and stuff like that because Willie Adamas has done a great job in their lineup they have a couple other good pieces there but Yelich needs to be like have to have like almost an MVP Tight, like turn the back the clock to 2018, 2019. If you could be a feared hitter in that lineup where teams are able to pitch, like you're able to get, like you have to get pitched around and pass the baton to other guys in that lineup, they can be very dangerous and stuff like that. I really do. And I think Yellows has that ability. He's shown it before, but he's got to get hot at the right time. So I think that's a big thing to watch for with the Brewers. And then, Brox, that leads us to hopefully what we think will be our uh, NL West showdown in the NLDS. I will say this: If the Cardinals beat the beat the Dodgers in the wild card game, do you think that they also will beat the Giants in the NLDS? Uh, it's the same thing, man. Like, I don't think so. But I it's the feeling, the Cardinals. Like, I feel like this be like the one year, like, oh, let's make a run out of nowhere, man. And Wainwright wins like World Series MVP, something like that. Um, I, I I'll say no, but it's in the back of my head. That, uh, okay, so, so, so you, so in your back of your head, is you're saying that the cardiac Cardinals could be a team of destiny? Which, listen, the cardiac Cardinals happened. back in the day, hey, they were, they were almost, they did fall short for anybody huh, out there who understands our reference. You're unbelievable, but um, yeah, listen, I, I ultimately think the Giants again. It's almost their year too. I think when the two forces collide, I think the Giants ultimately will prevail. But the Giants versus Dodgers, I think, can get crazy. I think for sure that series will go five games. Uh I got to point to guys on the Giants who've carried them there all year from the offensive side. Brandon Crawford and Chris Bryant, those are your two big stars, if you want to say, along with Buster Posey. With no Brandon Belt, they're going to have to step up against this Dodgers pitching staff that's going to throw Scherzer, Urias, Walker Bueller against you and stuff like that. So those guys, obviously, from that side of the plate are going to have uh, a huge impact. And, yeah, I guess, too, from the Dodgers, too, I'll point to, the, I'll point to their stars, too, man. Corey Seager, obviously, last year was an X factor for them on their World Series, on one World Series MVP. 
And Mookie Betts, too, a little banged up this year, a little bit of a down year in a sense. Like, get back, Mookie, and let's start hitting and turn to your MVP form. Because, again, if you have the top of the order with Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, and Trey Turner, that's just unbelievable. That will more than make up for Max Muncie being out, as well as Cody Bellinger, man. Cody Bellinger had a horrid 2021 season. So you know what I mean? Get back on track. I ultimately think the Dodgers will be victorious in this series because when there's like a tie like this, man, I'll always lean to the talent side of the town, all points to the Los Angeles Dodgers and stuff like that. Get my boy Albert Pujols a ring in his last year. That's my mission uh, in that sense if the Yankees go out. But uh, yeah, I think ultimately, like I said, this would be a really good series and it's almost going to like, like it, it's two forces meet. Like I said, it's the best team in baseball versus the best story in baseball. And I'm, I really hope that we're not robbed of this because of the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to disagree. Not disagree. I mean, it's gonna be a toss up, but I just think that the Giants have had such a magical year that you know, yeah, it's about time. Like you know, someone overtakes the Dodgers over there. I mean, it's not an even year. We know that, but I think the Giants just like you know everything's going well for them. That thing just keeps going. I I know sometimes like. Teams have, like, too good of a regular season and just fall in the playoffs. But I think the Giants are just built for it. Uh, oddly enough, they are built for a kind of um, decent rotation. But my X factor for them is going to be their bullpen. Decent bullpen, but, you know, it's not like, you know, like, you know, flamethrowers out there. They're, you know, perennial all-stars. They don't have Hendricks and Kimbrough coming out there. And, like, if Jake McGee is back in the bullpen is their closer, I mean, if their bullpen can step up and really shut down the Dodgers' late innings, I mean, I think that's that's the key right there. Um, if the Dodgers want to win, this one guy who's had an absolutely abysmal year has to step up. Uh, you said him. I think Bellinger has to step up. You know, this guy's a great player, but he's having a terrible year. If he can really turn on the postseason, no one's stopping the Dodgers. But for now, I'm going to have to go with the Giants here. Um, but I, I think it'll be five games. It won't, won't be enough games for us to watch. I hope there are seven of them. But I think it'll be five games. Um, it'll be just a crazy back-and-forth battle. Yeah, I'm amped for sure. Like you mentioned, I think the Giants rotation has a chance to also silence the Dodgers bats with Gosman, who's kind of struggled a little bit in the second half. Uh, Discofani and Logan Webb, too, has been unbelievable. I mean, they got Johnny Cueto there as well. So maybe he'll even pitch in the game four. But yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, Jake McGee, hold hold the fort down. Like he really has all season. And they also have a. Uh, one of the Rodgers brothers, Tyler Rodgers, they have. He does real funky and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Can those guys get them big outs down the stretch in games like that? Because that Dodgers offense is so lethal as they could be. But, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, Brox, anything you want to leave off with? Um, I hope we see a walk-off in one of the wild card games. All right. I mean, I really don't at all. <laughs> that please not, because that would mean obviously my Yankees could potentially have a 50% chance of losing. I will go with I hope that we see a walk off at the end of one of the ALDSs or NLC or NLDSs. So that would be nice. But uh, yeah, listen, I'm all for chaos after my Yankees win. Let everything go crazy. I hope I honestly hope I go over. Uh, well, I hope I get my Yankees picture right, but then I hope I miss on my other ones. You know what I mean? I love cast. I love October baseball. It's the best part about it. You know what I mean? It's crazy. All these games are such high intensity and stuff like that. And the best part, like you said, is that you just can't run out the clock in baseball, man. You have to get 27 outs to win a game. Anything can happen in a sense like that. So stay glued to that TV and just get ready for an awesome October of baseball. We've mentioned all year that it's almost like that nobody is like really for the taking in this season. I really think that this postseason field, there's no – like clear favorites as good as the Dodgers and the Giants are be they're susceptible to losing so let's see it let's go ha have a great October and stuff like that I'm pumped for this uh 
play for these playoffs. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Take care. Have a good one.